I would pay probably upwards of 100 quid and watch Eric Cantona walk on stage, put his collar up, say the Seagulls line, and then just stand there for an hour and a half. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Now you're welcome along. So as he steps away from the Irish Independent after 38 years, the great Vincent Hogan, one of this country's finest sports writers, joins us just after 8 o'clock to reflect on his career. After 9, Darren O'Sullivan and Colin Boyle on the football season, which is finally alive. We have a concept called knockout football, which is upon us. And this hour, Declan Hannan, also on the show, has Captain Limerick to just the four all Ireland's and counting three national leagues has won five Munsters has won six three time all star at centre back not bad for a guy who started off in the forwards 53106 is the text number we are at off the ball on Twitter Michael McCarthy here in studio hello hey Joe what have you done <laughs> there was there was a point like a couple of years ago where Anthony Daly was talking about his record as a three time Munster final Munster uh, winning captain was under threat from Declan Hannon yeah. who's now won five in a row he's lifted that so his uh, his record is well beaten at this stage I was thinking that actually at the you know pretty quickly after the match on um, Sunday last week uh, you know the, the disappointment to Clare and so on and then I was thinking like all we talk about is how good this Munster Championship is and how competitive it is and how compared to Leinster it's nothing and Limerick in that environment have won five in a row and Hannon's collected all of the, the cups and he's their true inspirational leader and so on. So when you're in the midst of it, I think sometimes you can overlook how amazing it is. Mm. Richie McCormack with us as well. Good evening. Hey, gents. So uh, Vince Togan on the way after eight o'clock, formerly, strange to say that, chief sports writer mm. with the Irish Independent, 38 years with the Independent, five years before that with the Irish press. I must confess we've recorded this conversation with Vincent. He was in earlier on this afternoon. He popped in. We'll play you a radio edit. It went on touch longer than we'll have time to uh, play you. But we'll play you the vast majority of it between eight and nine. And uh, five years before that at the Irish press. So that's a good innings. Yeah. You've uh, seen it all there and he's covered a multitude of sports and done so brilliantly. So um, it's a great shot. I mean, hell of a career. Yeah, what I love actually about Vincent it, it is is how much every sport is almost covered with the same gusto and the same energy and you could ask him a general question of like what what's your favorite place and like literally any sport could come out of his mouth you wouldn't be surprised and that's i i feel that's a a, a dying thing somewhat i you know i do feel this kind of like just like a general love and appreciation of all sports is something that i feel like we could definitely do with more of i mean you, I, the thing you talk about that I probably enjoyed the most is his relationship with Paul McGrath and obviously the book Back from the Brink is one of the best Irish sports books of all time and Vincent obviously had a huge hand in that you know and it's just that that's a really enjoyable and nice listen and their relationship to this day being as uh, good and as positive and basically Paul's a family friend of mm. the Hogan's you know and uh, i just very heartened when you hear those kind of things you know yeah yeah, Paul McGrath book, 06. I also did Nicky English's, Henry Shefflin's, Davey Fitzgerald's, Colin Cooper's, Eddie O'Sullivan's. Fitted. Yeah. <laughs> a few books. I'd say there's a book or two to come as well, to be. <laughs> well, I would think so, yeah. Not retiring, but um, yeah. stepping away from the Irish Independent after 38 years, he'll explain his thinking and his rationale 
uh, after eight o'clock. Declan Hannan this hour, and then we're talking GEA after nine with Colin Boyle and Darren O'Sullivan, where there is a concept, Richie, called mm. knock, knockout football, which uh, I promise you is going to significantly change your enjoyment of this week's matches as opposed to the last... 200 weeks of uh, Gaelic football it feels it, like it might catch on this yeah. it might catch on thank, and, that, and that's god. the worry thank god it's yeah. here that's the worry is that people might get used to this knockout culture and there being like actual stakes as opposed to somewhat being stakes uh, at games like to be honest like the last couple of weeks of the championship have actually been fine and then the fact that you got to the business end of the groups was you know things are being decided and then it felt like there was a bit of momentum and a bit of oomph behind things at last but we finally get going it's just like it's it's a pity like we're, we are veering into and I know we've talked at length about the changes that the GEA make to football in particular just on a purely aesthetic basis and one of those is based around championship structures for sure it, we're veering into there being games just for game's sake and I don't know how healthy uh, a relationship that has with the sport whatever it happens to be I mean we don't pay attention to in soccer we obviously do but we don't really care about the group stage of a Champions League anymore whereas before obviously that meant something uh, and similarly it's going to be later and later in the year by the time the wider populace gives a monkeys about the football championship and that's that's dangerous because what you're going to have then is potentially the same big teams uh, coming to the fore every year and, and, and then it becoming a tiresome kind of prospect. So the GA kind of need to be careful about this because they have had an okay year in terms of the, the product. But if, if it continues this way, there is a chance that games for game's sake, people will kind of zone out completely yeah. before we hit uh, late June, early July. Well, thankfully, from uh, this point on, we don't have to have that conversation we'll get back into that between August and next May but uh, yeah. in the meantime let's enjoy the next month look this is what like Jared's been espousing this more than anyone in that like you know it'll all be worth it in the end and it's like whether he's right or wrong I don't know I kind of disagree but it's almost like I don't care at the moment because now we're into the now we're into the dessert and we get all the good stuff now like you know <laughs> you've eaten your vegetables yeah 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 and we, we um, like God, like Galway Mayo on Sunday is just like this is talk about a championship coming alive yeah. it almost doesn't matter if that game was 2-1 the the drama and the jeopardy and we keep talking about jeopardy it's full on jeopardy here I think we'll just keep it alive and, and I think it will bring people front and centre and honestly we won't worry too much about what's come before oh. now that we've got like whatever about the system being right or perfect or, or non-perfect right we haven't been in a stage I think before where we do have these uh, 12 teams left when it's been you know we've had obviously we used to have the last round of qualifiers going into the quarterfinals but the teams weren't I think set up in the way that they are now because you had the problem with the uneven um, uh, provincial structure you know so we have had plenty of preliminary quarterfinal weekends before they were called round four of the qualifiers. Yeah. But I still think that we're just, we feel like we've kind of caught maybe the 12 best teams or something close to it. No, that's true. Um, this year that I think just makes it that little bit more tantalising. Well, hopefully that does make all the patience and the eating of your vegetables before dessert worthwhile. As you say, it is rare we've had the 12 best teams set up like this. So Galway Mayo on the Sunday and then even Saturday, so tasty. I'm not sure with a gun to your head, you'd confidently pick a winner in any of these games, which again, it's fantastic to be able to say knockout stages. Cork Roscommon, Porky Cueve, 2 o'clock. Kildare Monaghan, 4.45 O'Connor Park. And then 
Donegal rejuvenated against Patchy, Tyrone, Bally Buffet 7. So yeah. all of those, all of those work. Do you find it a pity or does this not even enter your head? And I, I do understand that that like that say that none of them are directly clashing, but say Donegal and Tyrone which I think would interest all of a football first audience is going up against Galway Tip, which will interest all of a hurling first audience. And I think so much so that it would like, and those two camps are so divided with those four counties, if you know what I mean, it will almost mean the other game is like dismissed as opposed to a lot of GA people love live sport and will watch the other code. And so whereas this is like, it's again, such a condensed season where there's no choice but to do this. Like, I mean, where else are you going to put these games? They're spread out as well as they can over the course of the two days, I would say. Um, But ultimately, like, I mean, I know from my point of view, my focus will be on the hurling on Sunday evening and I'll miss a good bit of football. I'll catch up on it, but it'll be passed, it'll be done. Yeah, no, it is a pity. As you said, consequence of how condensed it all is, but it is a pity. Stuart in Dublin, I grew up reading Vincent Hogan. Haven't stopped since, really going to miss him. Can't wait to listen later on. Yeah, it's at eight o'clock, Stuart. And uh, the same big teams are to the fore every year is a texture. True, but not to this extent, not the big 12 all through on account of the unevenness of the provincials previously. So this is a touch... Uh, different. We'll see how it all plays out anyway this weekend. Colm and Darren on the way after nine. Colm Ball and Darren O'Sullivan. The news round, as ever, is brought to you with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. So Vera Pau speaking to the media this afternoon, Richie. Yeah, things are uh, are getting interesting now from this point onwards. Vera Pau says a final decision on Aoife Mannion's World Cup availability won't be made until next week. The Manchester United defender has a knee ligament injury and won't have a protective brace removed until Monday. Speaking ahead of tomorrow's friendly with Zambia, Pau provided an update on Mannion's progress. Aoife, Aoife um, is in her return to play. Um, she uh, is in a brace, as we know and uh, that will go off on Monday and then we have to take a decision. She's been seen in the, in the meantime, so everything is going according to plan, but it's really, really tight. So we see Monday, we get a more update and then next week with the squad announcement, we will know for sure if she, well, if we take the chance or not. Well, you really hope she does make it because I would say about 15 minutes into her debut against China, her name was already on a seat on the plane. She was just that obviously... Uh, worthy of it. The only concern you'd have, and again, we've been talking about this basically all the way since they qualified, Mm -hmm. is of all the players to have an injury doubt and waiting until the last minute for, you don't want it to be the new person in the squad that, you know, there could be some resentment towards, you know, and, and like, especially if it feels like you know, there's there's kind of special treatment in waiting until the last minute to someone who could be injured, you know? Yeah. Now, I don't think that will come to pass, but it's just there's a nagging thing in the back of my head going, of all players that we're holding off on, why is it the new player? Yeah, maybe. I mean, if anyone's feeling resentful, you can just say, well, just watch her performances again. Yeah, no, I, I, it, she does, it does speak for itself. Pau, naturally enough, again, asked about the contract situation, Richie. Yeah, she's happy to let con- uh, talk over a contract extension wait until after the World Cup. She's recently stated her hope to have negotiations concluded before they jet off to Australia, but Pau says her focus is purely on the tournament itself. Uh, let me be clear, I'm very happy in Ireland. That is, yeah, everybody can see that. Everybody feels that. Uh, so I want to stay. But I don't, I'm not part in that process. That is, um, uh, Kieran Medlow is, um, is talking. I'm not involved in that. I do talk, of course, about the content with the management, like I always do, uh, but he takes care of that. 
We'll see how it all plays out. I guess there's that weird thing of if it's not done before the World Cup, somebody's negotiating position is going to be a lot stronger afterwards and somebody's less so. When was the last time Ireland were in a World Cup in any sport that didn't involve the coaches' uh, contract? It's kind of interesting. that It <laughs> feels like it's a rugby thing and it goes both ways. Either it's not signed or it is signed. It's funny, I was going to say, it's interesting. The RFU have given Farrell a contract to the midpoint of the mm. cycle, which might be the way to do it. You're not, you're not a lame duck manager and you're not getting a four-year cycle guaranteed. You have to earn it. And I would presume if the first year or two goes well, maybe the first year you just get an updated one for three mm. years to, or well, five years to get to a similar point after the, the next The only thing World is Cup. then football is two-year cycles because you've got Euros. So it's harder. it is harder, isn't it? You yeah. either do... I think you go two years. Um, I, I think she's done enough to, to, to earn it before, before we go, to be honest. but What if they lose every game 5-0? <laughs> but you're like I mean that's a like but then akin to but do you want her out of the contract and us to go to win the World Cup <laughs> you know or whatever because she wins the World Cup whatever uber success is for enough. Ireland you know yeah I don't know um, it's tricky obviously the danger is you commit to a coach things fall apart at a World Cup yeah. or a tournament reach a natural conclusion and then you're married to each other yeah lovelessly Okay, you're very, very dour now, Joe. Sorry, it's <laughs> things that, are, they're going to the World Cup for the first time ever. This is Italian ninety for women's football in this <laughs> country, and you're like, oh, Jesus, loveless marriage. No, that's true. <laughs> I accept that point. Was it trap where there was a contract given for far too long after? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all. That's the one that looms large in my thinking. But you're right. Yeah, that World Cup 2014 was a bridge too far for trap, unfortunately. Rich, the Heineken uh, Champions Cup. Well, of course, said Leo. Yeah, it had to happen. It had to happen. The Irish provinces were all given tough draws in the pool stage for next season's Heineken Champions Cup, perhaps none more so than Leinster, who must play the back-to-back defending champions and the team that's beaten them in those last two finals, La Rochelle. They were drawn in Pool 4, along with Stade Francais, Sale, Leicester and the DHL Stormers. Such are the vagaries of the groups that Leinster can't play the Stormers as they both hail from the URC. Connacht's return to the Champions Cup will be in Pool 1 alongside their former head coach, Pat Lamb, now in charge of Bristol, of course. Their other opponents will be Saracens, Bordeaux and Leon, for whom Paddy Jackson signed today. The Vodacom Bulls are the team Connacht won't have to play there. In Pool 2, Ulster will come up against the newly crowned top Couture's champions Toulouse, along with Harlequins, Bath and Stuart Lancaster's Rassing. Cardiff also in that pool. And Munster were in Pool 3 today, along with Bayonne, Toulon, Exeter and Northampton. Glasgow Warriors pad out that pool. The first set of fixtures played across in December. Sorry to put you on the spot. Do you know if Leinster or La Rochelle are at home for that game? Home and away. Right, I'm on the spot, Joe. Uh, I don't think the feed actually. It's not home and away. They only play four fixtures. So oh, two, sorry. they play four teams. So two of them are home, two of them are away. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure the lay of the land in terms of. But Leinster were didn't get top seeding, of course, because uh, Toulouse won the top 14 final on Saturday. So yeah. that might might add to uh, the interest there. Yeah. Ah, come to Dublin. Come on. It was great the last time. I kind of feel like Leinster will beat them at the pool stages, and it almost it, not that it means nothing. It'll mean something, but. If they met again in the final, I think think Larishel would feel we have your number here, boys. Did you watch the top fourteen final? No, I followed it a little bit and saw oh. some highlights. It looked like an incredible game. Incredible. So game. Intermax scored a winning try with a minute to go or something, was it? Yeah, yeah. And the extraordinary thing was that I'd say three minutes before that, Toulouse uh, must won a scrum or I can't. Oh no, they were being killed in the scrum. Actually, Larishel killed them in the scrum. Some other reason, anyway. Uh, Intermac kicking for touch pulls a. Oh, I don't be cruel to mention him, but the best way I can describe it is a Billy Burns 
you know, so he kicks it out on the, on the full. And so the next two or three minutes, there's, well, Intermax just lost them the game. Yeah. God, per Intermac, lots of French director TV close-ups of Intermac. Okay, yeah. I was uh, talking to someone who really knows their rugby and he was texting saying, well, Intermax just played himself out of the French team. And as I was reading that text, wow. I heard, Intermac! And from the halfway line, cuts through that Arishel defence, runs half the pitch, scores the winning try, uh, game over. Yeah. Like no, barely no time for a kickoff. Ugo Mala, Toulouse all running onto the Amazing. pitch. What a way to end the season. Oh my God. The biggest point though is that I, re- I realise now why I wasn't watching it. It was because I was watching the US Open. And I'm sitting here talking to you who was <laughs> sitting here watching tends, French rugby final. What tends Amazing. to happen to me is Impressed. I overindulge early on. On the golf. I like I can't even look at a golf shot by Saturday for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and you spend so much time watching like the, the early lads out who are six over. Ah, uh, yeah. Commentators talking about them like they still have a chance. Yeah, no. Like I've been watching Jason Day smack it around at three over all day Thursday, and I just by Saturday I was like I'm taking a break from this. <laughs> I can't watch another ad for dentures on Sky. I just need to. <laughs> I'm going to pause. I'm going to forward through the ads later on, and I'll come back to it. At least so they know well. their audience. <laughs> I know they really do. I mean, the ads and, and the golf coverage are quite. <laughs> it's it's like me watching ITV4 and being bombarded with uh, life insurance and funeral planning uh, yes. while I'm trying to watch Minder of a morning. All of that stuff. Consolidation. Yeah. Loans. <laughs> yeah. So, there's one of my there's one of those ads on there there's one of those ads on there I have to get out of, get it out of the way there's one of those ads on there about like it's it's a lawyer's uh, firm and they open with med- medical negligence is one of the worst forms of negligence and they're going yeah, you're probably right probably, but I wouldn't yeah. say that overtly. Isn't um, medical negligence one of like the top five killers? Yeah. Again, I'm. I'm I, I don't I, know the top five offhand. Yeah, I think I read. I heard someone say that about the states. God, it's like heart the, disease, what? cancer, Brandon Flowers. I would like to think it's not true the, over here. The killers, the killers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some, uh, medical professional will let me know if that's true or not. I love it. It's more that I knew he was from the killers and still didn't understand what you meant. Jesus. Sorry, should I be getting this? What is it? He said he was named the top right five job. killers right. and said Brandon Flowers. Ah, well done. Yeah. yeah. I he, ruined it. He, um, the killers are kind of having a little resurgence, are they? Did I see them playing somewhere? But they never never really never went, went away. away. Well, being a live prospect, yeah. They never went away, you know. Yeah. It was hard to move in 03 for that ad on Lifestyle Sports Song. What was it again? Oh, Mr. Brightside. Mr. Oh, my God. No, Joe, try and go to an indie disco and don't have that played. You'll, you'll, you'll soon. Yeah, it's, mm, it's still a thing. They were good for still a couple a of years. Ah, oh, yeah, no, it was good. They, they their follow-up album to that was very good. Samstown. 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 Yeah, no, I agree. Not to be ridiculed. I feel like Richie's ridiculing them somehow. I feel like he's there. You know, I, I feel it's there. He's just above it. He's just above the above that. Like, yeah. I said, see, see me and you have heard of them, like Joe. Yeah. So therefore, they're just be they're you know. I'm sorry that very popular song went worldwide in a mainstream ad and that upset you, but it was a good song, all right. Listen, you you and your dentures just I'm I'm happy you're able to smile and whatever yeah. it happens to make you smile. So anyway, where were we? We were talking about uh, La Rochelle and cricket. Then so we had the Ashes yesterday. Yeah. Mick, Mick walked in here earlier, perturbed <clears throat> at what had happened to Should Irish be, cricket. Yeah. Uh, so this is a very bad situation with World Cup qualification point of view. Yeah, really bad. Ireland's hopes of World Cup qualification suffering a major blow this afternoon. They lost by one wicket to Scotland with the final ball of the match in their second qualifier game in Bulawayo. Ireland will return to action on Sunday against Sri Lanka and captain Andy Balburnie was asked afterwards to assess their efforts in the field. 
Um, I, I think the plans were pretty clear from the guys. Um, execution could have probably been a bit better, but I think I can't be too critical of the, the bowlers. They, they put in a good shift there, and when you're bowling at a set batsman who's, who's hitting the ball out of the middle a lot of, to- a lot of the time, it's very difficult. So, uh, look, we'll, we'll have a look back and see where we could have got a bit better for the next game. Afghanistan were in a similar position five years ago, so there is still hope for Ireland? Yeah, there's always hope, I think, until you're actually um, out of the competition, you believe you can get through, but it's, it's an uphill battle from here, but I'm sure the guys will be up to the task. Hmm. Well, that doesn't sound good. No, it's it's no, really they lost their two easiest fixtures on paper um, against Oman and Scotland, and still have Sri Lanka to come and one more fixture. Um, they need a miracle in these last two matches if they're to to make the top and three in the group. Had we been feeling good about Irish cricket? Was it in a good place, or was this foreseeable? That you would have um, thought they would win both of these matches. I mean, when Scotland yeah. won, the commentary was like, Scotland finally get over Ireland. Like as if this is, you know, beating Ireland was as much of a deal as winning a qualifying game, you know? Okay. Um, and Ireland set them a massive total as well. It was 287 that Scotland needed to get and Ireland were just really profligate in the field. There were a couple of really silly fumbles. Really uh, bad. Really, really bad bowling as well towards the end, giving away silly extras that should never really happen uh, at that, especially especially at that point in a match. Um, I was aghast, like I, I, I was aghast when I saw Scotland basically galloping up and taking in this uh, this total because it should have been, we should have been home and hosed. Like it came down to the very last ball. They needed two to win off the last ball. Like Ireland yeah. had got a wicket, the previous one they got a, a, a no score. Or like should have had a no score. The next one, and they just ran for a run, hoping that they wouldn't. That the wicketkeeper didn't throw it at the stumps. Do you know? Like they had a really bad field that should have been a single that turned into a four in the over before. Like I mean, even like it was such small margins that every single one of those mistakes cost them the game you okay. know and like that's such a pity because you win that like you're in good shape you go and Ireland play well against Sri Lanka yes, as yeah. they tend to play up in these fixtures but it's a disaster parallels with the Irish football team here yeah absolutely Richie on the Katie mm. Taylor Chantel Cameron front we have news of the rematch yeah we're zeroing in on, on exact dates and venues in this one Eddie Hearns says a rematch of Katie Taylor and Chantel Cameron will likely take place in November last month the matchroom promoter all but ruled out Croke Park as the venue for that fight due to timing they are likely to return to the three arena with Hearn telling the matchroom YouTube channel that the fight is a cert to happen this autumn yeah, I mean, Katie Taylor is going to exercise that rematch clause against Chantel Cameron. Um, we'll plan that fight for probably November time. It's going to be a huge fight. Katie, there was no talking her really into any other fight. It's all she wanted was a chance to rematch Chantel Cameron. So, you know, Chantel Cameron will come into that fight as the A-side, as the favourite as well, and it'll be a massive night. Uh, so it's interesting, Rich, you're saying likely return to the three arena because mm. when I saw Chantel Cameron interviewed... The day after the fight, she was saying, okay, she's done to Steve Bunce from memory, and she was saying, yeah, a lot of the, this was on Katie's terms, coming to Dublin, doing it her way. I'm not so sure it'll be in Dublin next time, but uh, clearly it's heading that way. Yeah, from a contractual point of view, I think most of the cards lie on the Taylor side of the table. Yeah. Um, and just just from the point of view of, of, a, of a revenue generator, I mean, Croker's out of the offing because they needed September, I think, at the latest to get that to happen. September was always going to be too early for a rematch. Uh, the later you pushed it, then the more likely it was to have a roof over its head. So that's going to be oh, uh, the three arena because they made, like, they made a fortune off that fight last time around and they probably will again. Yeah, tickets weren't cheap. So uh, we have Champions League draw. 
Yeah, Shamrock Rovers, uh, should they advance to the second qualifying round of the Champions League, they will face a pretty tough opponent. Stephen Bradley's side will come up against the Danish champions, Copenhagen. Rovers will face one of the champions of Andorra, Montenegro, San Marino or Iceland in the first qualifying round. If St. Pat's get past Dudelange in the Conference League, then they'll play either Glentoran or Gazira of Malta. Cunna's Key of Wales or Iceland's KA await Dundalk if they beat Bruno's Magpies. And Derry, if they beat Torshavn, they'll play Finnish Club Cups in the second qualifying round. Okay. You could be making up at least 50% of those names. That we <laughs> yeah, you should do that. For Bruno's you. Magpies, Bruno's is my Magpies I've laughed at two days in a row. Here Bruno's now, yeah. Magpies sounds like it should be an 80s TV show that used to be on CITV. Sorry, uh, Bruno and, Brooks. And it fully believes that it is. Bruno Brooks. Uh, there's Bruno text Brooks. in. We really don't have much time, so I'll just hand it over to Michael McCarthy. Okay, Lads, thoughts on Stephen Kenny's call to arms? Have you seen it? So Stephen I Kenny. I did. I read um, it last night. Yeah, like a seven hundred word. It was embargoed until last night. He's speaking to the journalists, and at one point, it's it starts very dramatically with him saying, "Can you all take a step back?" And then he launches a incredibly staunch <coughs> defence of his record pre the Ireland job, like uses lines like, "Nobody in modern history has won more than me." And I think he's talking about a domestic no Irish manager. Yeah, because uh, I think Pep Guardiola, right. amongst others, would have things to say. But very staunch defence of his uh, credentials pre-getting the job. Very staunch defence of how he's handled the job since he's uh, got it. And I know what I'm about, know what I'm doing, don't need X, Y, and Z, all you guys to tell me um, either way. And it was supposedly supposedly very impassioned, talked for five minutes, 700 words. Mm. And uh, I think most people have, have read it to some extent or other today. Do you like him uh, doing this? I, have to say, I hate the party political stuff. Uh, when he's defending his record when pre-match Tony O'Donoghue asks him a fairly innocuous how you feeling about tonight question I guess he he would have felt post-Athens that this kind of uh, speech was required I found it I found it fascinating that he had so much of his record to hand like in a in a quite a like immediate way you know like as in he he listed off the amount of the teams that his Irish clubs are, have beaten in um, Europe. European yeah. games he listed off uh, how many like cup finals he was in Irish cup finals Scottish cups uh, leagues etc like that and it's all just two hand like you know by Rhoda almost you know which uh, I I just I don't know what I'm even taking from that other than this is someone who's thinking about his place in the game mm. I would say and why he deserves to be here um, I have no problem with it I think it's fighting and I think that it's 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 probably the character that the players need to see and I thought it was interesting and I, I actually have to say I enjoyed reading it last night Okay, I don't really see a major problem with it do you? I do agree with you in general by the way that every question doesn't need to be so defensive and all of this but I, th- I think in this scenario this was a he, he, it felt to me like th- from the suggestion the way the lads wrote it in, in the pieces today that he was getting kind of similar kind of questions yeah. and he was batting them off one by one and it was like hold on let's just do this once and for all yeah, this yeah, is yeah. where I am it seems to be that way yeah, yeah. yeah. we're way over time Arthur's uh, giving me daggers there I guess in one line ultimately if the results aren't going well none of it matters but I suppose he has to project a position of confidence in himself and strength at the moment as opposed to someone wilting and God I'm really sorry everyone it's not going well is it yeah. he has to project that so I guess that's his uh, thinking but ultimately results 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 we're out of time Richie thank you very much a lot of support into no, the killers that. by the way uh, Richie this evening on text just going to mention no, that's that. unfortunate and Michael thank you <laughs> thank you